much. <clears throat> how, how you doing? How is everything? Going crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Hoping to go to Florida. Hoping to go to Florida tomorrow, but I'm not sure if I can get on a plane to come home. Oh, really? Yeah, I was going to go down till Sunday, but flights are sold out. Yeah. Everybody's all uh, you know, all the old people in Florida are coming home. <laughs> oh, jeez. Yeah, so were you just going to try to get down there, take a little break, or? Just get out and play golf for three days and then come back Sunday. Yeah. So that, yeah trying, to get that, trying to get that answer today. Yeah, no, I, I see. I, I saw the golf courses were reopening, too. So I'm right. Some around here in New Hampshire, too, I believe, so. Is that where you were up, you were up in New Hampshire? Yeah, so I, I go to UNH. Um, oh, my niece goes, my niece goes there. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm going, I'm going, I'm an uh, upcoming senior. Okay. Do you know, do you know a kid named Michael Norris? Michael Norris. Mike Norris. I think so. I th He's a Winthrop kid. Yeah. No, it, it sounds it sounds familiar. Yeah, because you're over at BU, right? right? Yeah. 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 No. How's that going? Yeah. Because I thanks for uh, taking my call too. Because that was. Uh, That's fine. No, things are going well there. Haven't been haven't been there in a while, but. Yeah, yeah, no, thank you. Thank you again, man. Really appreciate okay. it. Um, Mike Ruzioni, everybody, the captain of the 1980 Winter Olympics United States national hockey team that defeated the Soviet Union in the famous Miracle on Ice game in which he scored the game-winning goal. Mike, how are we doing, man? Thanks so much for uh, – Doing good. Just uh, like everyone else, uh, trying, to, trying to find something to do all day. Yeah. Great no, time. I feel that, man. I feel that. So um, it's funny because we actually just interviewed uh, Pat O'Brien, who uh, played you in, in uh, the Disney movie Miracle. So it, just last week. So he said he saw you at the uh, at the Kings game, right? Among yeah, I, I saw it. It was really funny. Uh, he didn't know I was at the game. Obviously, I didn't know he was at the game. And the LA Kings uh, flew me out there to, to do some work with their season ticket holders and uh, kind of celebrate the 40th anniversary. And uh, they introduced me during the game, and I went downstairs to do interviews in between periods. And who walks in over to where I was with Patrick? So yeah. I hadn't seen him in a long time, so it was really nice to see him. He's a he's a good kid. Yeah, no, you saying they were uh, showing highlight reels of of the uh, of the Miracle on Ice game as well. So that's that's crazy. Both of you guys uh, met up. Didn't even know you guys were at the same game. So yeah, yeah, it was really strange. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, maybe you could just talk about, like, how you got started playing hockey, you know. How, how did your career start, man? Well, it was just something you did in the wintertime. Um, you know, I started skating when I was about eight or nine. They used to freeze the tennis courts down the street from where I lived. Um, you'd go skate and learn to skate. We didn't have a hockey team in my town then. There was no program. So I started hockey uh, playing in the town next door, Revere, Massachusetts, next to Winthrop, where I live. And then Winthrop – Finally got a program, uh, I think when I was around 11 or 12. Uh, we did have a program where you could go skate on Saturday mornings, but there were no hockey teams in the town at that time. So I just played hockey in the winter, and then, uh, you know, hockey ended, and I played baseball. And then, in the, you know, when I was in high school, I played football. So uh, I probably played more baseball in my life than anything, and hockey was uh, something you just didn't it did in the winter. And then, you know, eventually ended up, uh, you know, kind of making hockey the choice of the sport that I was going to play. Yeah, no, that's that's crazy, man. So well, you know, it's funny with you being at UNH. That's where I was. That's where I wanted to go to school. Really? Uh, and I thought I was all set to go there. And the hockey coach didn't think I could play Division One hockey, so I had had basically no school to go to. So I was going to go to Merrimack College. Uh, they were Division Two. They were Division Two school. They weren't Division One then. 
after high school, I went to a school uh, not far from UNH called Burke Academy. Uh, I went to Burke Academy and played football, hockey, and baseball, and I wanted to play all three at UNH. And the uh, football coach really liked me. The baseball coach really liked me. But uh, unfortunately, the hockey coach didn't think I could play. So I had no school to go to. And I was going to Merrimack College. And then that summer, um, I didn't play hockey in the summer. I played baseball in the summer. And I got a phone call. A friend of mine needed somebody to play in a summer league game. And if, he, if, if I could play. And I, well, you know, if you need someone, I'll play. Right. So I played in the game, and it turned out the guy refereeing the game was a guy named Jack Parker. Uh, and Jack Parker was the assistant coach at Boston University at the time. And when the game was over, Jack asked me where I was going to school. I told him I was going to Merrimack, and he said, we had a kid from Canada that decided not to come. Uh, would you like to come to Boston University? So I said, yeah, I think I could do that. So I, I called the coach at Merrimack and told him that uh, I accepted an opportunity to go to Boston University. and. That's how I ended up at BU. So uh, I, I could have been a Wildcat, but uh, unfortunately, uh, didn't think I could play. Oh, what a mistake we made, man. <laughs> <laughs> no, you had some pretty good teams when I was at, when I was at Boston University. UNH was pretty they – were, they were pretty good. Yeah, I know, but still a mistake, man. Still a mistake. It's, you know, it's funny. We actually interviewed um, – we interviewed Doug Flutie, too, and he said – he wanted to play football at UNH. And, like, now it's, man, we're, we look bad, man. Like, we get the biggest, you know, greatest athletes of all time. I mean, you know, I mean, and then we you know, we mess up. So, I'm going to have to talk to the Wildcats, man. We're, we're going to have to. <laughs> 0 for 2, this is not good. This isn't good. But, uh, yeah, no, that's crazy, man. That's insane. So, I mean. Yeah, it's funny how things work out. Yeah, it's crazy. So, did you um, – did you bring that discipline on yourself, you know, when you were playing hockey or were your parents strict about, you know, going to practice or, you know, did you have those figures that, that were really strict on, on, you know, that discipline of playing? No, my, my parents, you know, my, the biggest thing with my parents was you could never quit and you, and you had to work hard at everything that you did. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think, you know, that, that mindset with, was with me as a young, at a young age to, to work hard. Uh, mm-hmm. I've never met, you know, nobody's successful because they're lucky. People are successful because they work hard. And I think that was, a, you know, something that was instilled in me at a young age about, uh, like I said, never quitting and, 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 and working hard at what you do. Not necessarily, you know, it's not, you're not going to hit a home run every time. You're not going to get a goal every game. But, you know, you work hard and understand the discipline of, work, of, of hard work. Eventually, uh, things will work out, in, you know, in your favor. And I've, I've kind of always uh, believed that. I believe that even now, things that I do today. You, you have to work hard on what you're going to do. It doesn't come easy. You make a lot of sacrifices. You put a lot of time and work in, and usually things are going to happen. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, hey, it worked out for you, man. I mean, what a, what a great career. I mean, you had, um, you know, what, maybe talk about, like, your uh, – how, how were you able to balance the social life in college, right? Were, were you – you know, um, talk about that. You know, I did, there wasn't a great deal of you know social life. I mean, you, you, you know, hockey players you, you practice every day and you have games on the weekends and yeah, you got to, you get to have some fun and go out there and meet some students. But for the most part, I mean, I look back on my four years at BU and the players I people I hung around with were my teammates. I mean, you get to know a few students because uh, they're an extension of of, uh, of the friendships that you get while you're in college. But you know, Boston University very different than University of New Hampshire. It's so wide open, to, you know. On the weekends at, at BU, the students just gone. They, they disappear. Uh, but I think at UNH, you know, you, you have uh, uh, I think a, a more of a culture of students hang around 
the the area. Um, yeah, no, so you get to have your friends. You get to spend some time. There's, you know, a, a, a lot of parties up there. I've, I've heard that many times for many people. So I think the social life at, at UNH is very different than the social life at Boston University. But when I was a player there, we, you know, we had fun. And, uh, you know, you have to balance things. You can't just go to school and play hockey every single day. And you can't just go to school and study all day. I mean, part of being a college student is experiencing college life. You know, I was able to do that, but probably not to the extent that, that uh, other students did. Yeah, no, it's, I, I totally get that. So have you, um, have you visited the UNH campus, uh, you know, since or recently or now? I, I, well, when I was working at Boston University, I was a coach a couple of years as a volunteer coach. So I'd go up to UNH when we played, you know, Dick Millie was coaching at UNH. So I'd go up there and see Dickie. And uh, I haven't been back on campus in, uh, in obviously quite a while. But when I was there, I, you know, Burke Academy was just across the road. It was, you know, 10-minute drive. So I was constantly at UNH when I was at Berwick, and uh, two of my friends played baseball at UNH, and another friend played football at UNH. So I, I knew a lot of athletes that were there. So I, a lot of times, I might go over to UNH um, and go to some of the dorm parties or the frat parties and stuff like that. But uh, I haven't been back back on campus there for for quite a while. I'll have to ask my my niece about it. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, hey, we, we made a mistake, man. So you know. Come back for a party or something, because <laughs> that. Um, yeah, I mean, maybe talk about you know, because you know you're playing for BU and you know, you know this was you know you know talk about you know where were you when you found out you made Team USA, right? Because you were just a young kid. I mean, well, the tri- the, tri- the, the, the tryouts were in Colorado Springs, so we competed against each other um, over two weeks. Um, Trials were over. We were kind of in a, some of an auditorium room or a room. And that's when Herb announced the 26 players that were going to be on the team. Uh, 26 players, and then obviously only 20 were going to go to Lake Placid. So six players get cut throughout the course of the training. But, uh, you know, the first step was to be one of the 26. So I was, I was excited. I was proud, uh, honored to, to have been selected. Um, you know, hundreds of people tried out. Then narrowed it down to 68. 68 went from 68 to 26. 26 eventually to 20. So uh, I think just being part of that, that uh, you know, the original 26 was pretty special. Yeah, no, I mean, obviously, man. I mean, that was crazy. I mean, crazy run. I mean, what, one in the same time. Uh, you know, did you, did you guys all get along right away, right? Did the team click right away or you – know, and, and Yeah, we – we got along right away. There was a lot of uh, fun stuff going on between the rivalries between Boston and Minnesota, Wisconsin and the players from Minnesota. College rivalries were pretty intense. And, uh, you know, when I was at BU, obviously BC was a huge rival and still is. Mm-hmm. Uh, Wisconsin and Minnesota were real intense rivalries back in, in the 70s uh, competing against each other. And then, you know, Boston University and Minnesota, those players didn't get along very well, mm-hmm. hence from the college experience. But, you know, once once the team was selected, uh, you know, you put a jersey on, it says USA across the front, it doesn't say BU or Minnesota or Wisconsin. So I think we understood from day one uh, how important our teammates were. And, and I think that's the sport of ice hockey in general. Anybody that's played the game knows from an early age how important your teammates are. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, you know, what was the initial reaction of, you know, Herb Brooks when, when you met Coach? Well, you know, I'd known about her because I had played against Minnesota when I was at Boston University, so I knew he was pretty intense, and I knew he was uh, 
a, a demanding uh, coach. Uh, but then again, I, I found that he was really no different than Jack Parker. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, coaches coach. That's how they coached in that era. They were demanding. They pushed you. They challenged you. Uh, and you deal with it. You know, you, you, you can yell at me for two hours all you want. Then after two hours, I, I go back to my apartment and kind of, you know, be free a little bit. Um, you know, that's just the way it was. That's how my high school football coach was, my high school baseball coach. Coaches in the 70s, uh, very different than today. I mean, they were in your, in your face. They, they challenged you every single day. And sometimes it's not easy. Sometimes the challenges weren't fun. Um, sometimes things he said to you weren't fun. But that's the situation you're in. And do you want to be an Olympic athlete and on an Olympic team or complain about the coach? So you do what he says. Yeah, no. I- and it worked. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, it, what's funny is, you know, it, in the movies and stuff, you know, they, it, or especially in the Disney movie of, of Miracle, they show like, you know, a bunch of college kids, you know, going out, partying, you know, just regular college kids, but then also playing, you know, was there that atmosphere of, you know, on that team? Like, did you guys ever go out, you know, after practice, you know, get a few drinks or was it, you know, strictly a grind? Very rarely. Um, first of all, the average, the, the, the drinking age was 21. The, the average age of our team was 21 and a half. So, uh, almost half of my teammates weren't old enough to go out. Uh, some, some of my teammates still lived at home with their parents cause we based out of Minneapolis and that's where they were from Minnesota. Mm-hmm. But I think the Boston guys, uh, tended to go out a little more than the, the, uh, the Minnesota guys. As a matter of fact, my roommate was Ralph Cox, uh, right. great player at the university of New Hampshire. So. Uh, Ralph and I lived together, and we'd go out at night. We'd, there's a little pool hall around the corner from where we, we lived, and Ralph and I'd go over and shoot some pool and have some beers at night and, you know, go out a little. But there was no nightlight. You couldn't go out into the night because, one, you probably had to practice the next morning, or two, you were getting on a, on a bus or a plane to go travel and, and play somewhere. We, we played a lot of games in six months, so we were, we were constantly on the road. Yeah. Um, but, you know, you, you had some time to just, you know, escape a little what you need. You can't can't spend your whole day in the locker room and yeah. you know you need you need a, a little a little escape from that just to just to relax yourself yeah no I feel that um you know another thing is uh you know what did you guys do you know do you remember like the day of you know playing against the Soviets like what did you do that day to prepare talk about the energy in the locker room you know going well in- you know you, 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 you try not to do anything different it's still a hockey game you know, the scope of it is bigger because it's Soviets and a chance to go to the gold medal game. But you can't all of a sudden do things different because it's a, you know, it's a bigger game. You know, especially me, I, I kind of always like to do my, my own routine was just to kind of relax and um, get ready to play. You know, the night before the game against the Soviets, I went out to the campsite where my parents were staying and um, had a few beers, relaxed with my cousins and my high school football coach was there, my mom and dad and some friends and, just kind of relaxed with them and then went back to the village, mm-hmm. uh, got a good night's sleep, got up the next morning. We had a little pregame skate, um, went back, had a nice lunch, took a nap and, uh, went and played the game. But, you, know, you can't, you can't do things different because then you start thinking differently. So I think you go into the game, uh, knowing it's a big game and you're, you're excited, you're anxious, you're nervous, you're curious. I mean, all, all the emotions that you go through when you're getting ready to play a game in general. So, um, like I said, I know the scope of it was bigger, but you can't you can't look at it any differently. It's still it's still a hockey game played on a sheet of ice that we played, you know, five other games on already. So 
that was kind of the approach. I mean, obviously, you, you, you want to make sure you're prepared mentally. Um, you know you have to do certain things against this particular team. You can't take penalties. You've got to be smart. You've got to be disciplined. You can't stay out on the ice too long. The shifts have to be shorter, quicker. Um, so little things that you knew you had to do uh, in order to, you know, hopefully to win that game. But, again, you can't all, all of a sudden change. You can't get too high. Uh, you get too high, you're going to start running around and doing stupid things. And if you're not prepared and you're too low, then you're going to get your, your head handed to you. So, to me, it was just trying to be kind of level-headed and even-keeled. I was excited, but still had to keep it in control. Yeah, no, for sure. So, like, another thing is when you're on the ice, you know, as fans, you know, we see something totally different. What was it like when you were on the ice, right? Where, was there a bunch of trash talking? Do you remember some of the conversations you had with the Soviets or was it, you know, or, or with your teammates on the ice? You know, maybe how, did the energy change from the locker room? And then when you got onto the ice, like, holy shit. Like, no, playing right it, now. You, again, you, you're so focused on what you're doing. There was no trash talking. At least I don't remember hearing any of it. Uh, you know, normal talk that you get during the course of a game you know, the pushing and shoving after the whistle, things like that. But that's normal. Um, no, you know, the, the thing is when you're on the ice, you could hear nobody. You could, you, the only thing you could hear was a line mate, you know, calling for a pass or Herb calling for a line change. Uh, the crowd was going crazy, but you couldn't hear a sound. You, you just, you're kind of in a cocoon. You know, your, your mind is just focused on what you're doing out on the ice and not even thinking about what's going on in the stands. Um, so it wasn't like till the end of the game when you started to really kind of hear the noise of the chance of USA, USA. But like I said, you're so focused on what you're doing that you kind of block everything out. Yeah, no, I mean, you know, I, I know, I know you said like, usually you guys are doing the same thing. Like you can't get, let that get to your head. But I mean, did Herb treat it like that way? Like, was there any speech that he really, you know, stood out to the team before that game? Cause in the movie, it was like a very dramatic, Thing with, with yeah, the, the, the speech in the movie was a little longer than the speech in the locker room. Herb, Herb didn't speak that long uh, before the game, uh, but he brought it to the point of, you know, what, what was about to take place and how we had to play in order to, to you know, hopefully be successful. But Herb wasn't a big speaker um, during games, you know, practices when he spoke. Uh, I think he had a philosophy that uh, uh, during, during the week, coaches practice and teach, and at game times, players play. Coaches coach, players play, and, 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 and Herb kind of followed that. Uh, you know, during the games in the Olympics, uh, he did very little teaching, uh, but he just did a lot of reassuring. Uh, so many times, you know, you heard a movie, and it was probably dead right of play your game, play your game. I mean, he, he said that hundreds and hundreds of times during the Olympics as we were playing, just for us to, to continue to do the things that we needed to do in order to be successful. Don't do anything different. We, we've been – winning the way we were playing, so continue to do that. And that's really what was stressed. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, what was going on in your head the moment you scored that goal? Uh, you know. uh, it gave us the lead. You know, I think, I, you, know, <clears throat> you know, so many players throughout the Olympics made great plays. I mean, obviously, if it wasn't for Mark Johnson, we wouldn't have been in the position we were in anyway. You know, Mark was – scary good and he scored so many goals and obviously against the Soviets he scored two goals so so you know when I scored I just thought it gave us the lead um I was able to help out when I had an opportunity to help out you know like I said throughout the game players made plays you know Jimmy was great in goal Kenny Morrow our team defense was excellent 
you know, we played four lines. Um, we didn't, you know, short shift anybody. Uh, everybody contributed. And like I said, I had a chance uh, uh, to score a goal, and I did. And uh, we won four to three, and I had fortunate to have the winning goal. But how good would the winning, you know, what would my goal have meant if we didn't get the other three? So, uh, you know, it was just, uh, you know, 20 players that came together and, and played so well at, at, at a big time. Yeah, no, I mean, just crazy moment, man. I mean, so it obviously, I mean, it was voted like one of the greatest, it was like voted the greatest highlight of all time. Um, <laughs> it has to make you feel great. Um, you know, do you ever rewatch that play? Like what was the difference watching it versus being in that moment? Well, I mean, being in the moment, you, you, you know, you, you kind of remember it, obviously. I think you, you remember a lot of the goals that you score. Um, and, and I just, you know, I can close my eyes and remember exactly what happened and what took place. Uh, I don't see the video other than, I shouldn't say it that way. When I speak, I do a lot of speaking sales meetings. Mm. And I have a highlight video that I show of the Olympic Games, and obviously the goal is in there. So I see it when I speak. Mm. But I've, I've only seen the Soviet game uh, – three times and, and I saw it uh, about six months ago. Mm -hmm. I just wrote a book that came out and I had to watch the movie with the guy who wrote the book with me. Mm -hmm. um, and then I watched it probably 20 years ago and then maybe 30 something years ago. So it, 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 I, I don't sit at home and watch the Soviet game, uh, but um, you know, I don't, I don't need to watch it. I remember it. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's insane, man. So, do you, do you remember the night after the Soviet game? I know you said you guys don't have too much time celebrating, but that must have been a big celebration. Well, you know, no, we beat the Soviets Friday night, and um, Jim Craig and I got selected by ABC to do some interviews, so we had to leave. Mm -hmm. And the rest of the guys on the team went back to the house where our parents were staying, and they watched the game on TV because the game was, game was taped delayed. We played the game at 5, and they showed it at 8. Mm. So my teammates went up and, you know, probably spent time with their families and friends and watched the game. Then Saturday, uh, you know, we had a hard practice Saturday morning. I, I remember that. Boy, Herb skated us really hard Saturday morning. And Saturday night it was, uh, you know, get ready to play another game Sunday. So, again, like I said earlier about the Soviet game, didn't really do anything different. You know, had a uh, – you know, the game was at 11 o'clock in the morning. So um, went back to the village, you know, had a nice meal, nice dinner. Uh, went back to the trailer because we lived in trailers. Mm. Uh, my roommates were Jim Craig, Phil Vercoder, and Bill Baker. And then basically went back to the trailers and sat around, had a couple of beers, relaxed, went to bed, and get up the next day to play uh, play what turned out to be a pretty amazing game. Yeah, no, I mean, so, you know, that Sunday, you know, after playing the Soviets, you guys played Finland um, for the gold medal game. Uh, you know, did it, it must've felt like you guys already won gold after beating the Soviets. How did you guys keep that mindset of like staying focused? Like guys, we haven't won gold yet. I mean, you guys must've been just way too excited after beating the Soviets. Well, that's why Herb skated our asses off on Saturday morning. Uh, mm -hmm. and he really, it was a hard practice. He, he needed to break us right back down to earth. Mm -hmm. Um, and we knew, we knew how important the game was. We know we didn't go to Lake Placid to win one game. Mm -hmm. We went there to the hope and dreams of winning the whole thing. So the Finland game was the biggest game any of, any of us had ever played. And, and we were, again, excited for the challenge. Um, I don't think we were any more nervous going into the Finland game than the Soviet game. Uh, I think as a team, we were, again, prepared to play. I mean, it's, you know, for six months, that's, you know, we, we trained and 
practiced and worked for that moment, for that game, for that possibility. Um, so, you know, you get it, you, you, you approach that game, I guess, like I said, the same way as you do the Soviet game is win the game, win the gold. And, and that was kind of our mindset. You know, a lot of people, you know, if we lost our tide Sunday, we could have come in fourth place and not even won a medal. So right. who cared about the Soviet game? Maybe now we look back and the Soviet game was incredible. But if we lose to Finland, who cares that, the, who cares that we beat the Soviets? Obviously, we're not talking today. Yeah. Right? So <laughs> yeah. Uh, the Finland game was the biggest game for us. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, you know, maybe you talk about the time, the last time you spoke with Herb. Do you remember? Do you remember that conversation? Uh, no, I spoke to him a lot. I mean, we, we, um, we communicated, you know, he was coaching the Rangers for a few years and I was the color commentator. And then he was in Pittsburgh with the Penguins and, um, I got some good friends associated with the Penguins. So I'd run into her here and there, but, uh, you know, I, I, like anybody else, you never know when, when, when your, when your next conversation is going to be your last conversation. I just remember I was on a trip coming home. Uh, on a plane and I when I plane landed in Boston I turned my phone on and it just blew up with messages and I didn't know what happened I was you know, I was worried something happened to my family and then I found out that the media was calling wanting to talk about her had passed away in a, in a car accident so uh, I don't really remember the last conversation because there were just a bunch in between Jeez, I mean you guys both were the dynamic duo I mean you guys killed it I mean what a great what a great uh, run you guys had. So incredible. Um, you know, not, another thing is you mentioned the Rangers. Um, you know, you know, is it true, you know, you got offered a contract from the Rangers, but you decided to decline it because you already felt like you reached the pinnacle point of success, you know, scoring that goal against the Soviets? Yeah, well, after the Olympics, I, I had the Rangers, the Hartford Whalers, Minnesota and Buffalo uh, were interested in signing me. And I just, you know, kind of thought about it and, you know, if I was 20 or 21 or 22, maybe I would have played, but I just thought it was time to move on. You know, my life, you know, my life doesn't have to be, um, um, you know, personified or whatever by the fact that you play in the NHL. You don't have to play pro hockey to be considered a really good hockey player, at least in my opinion. Mm -hmm. uh, things have changed now, obviously. Things are different. Uh, but I went to Boston University hoping to play college hockey and get a degree. I never thought about playing pro hockey until maybe my senior year. And then with the Olympics, I, at that point, I just kind of looked around and thought, uh, let's just move on and do something else. I, there's no doubt I would have played. I could have played. I, I would have been a three, four-year player. I, wouldn't have been, I would have been an average player. Um, but I would have been a player, and I could have played. Yeah. Um, but like I said, I, you know, it's not like today. There was, weren't huge super contracts out there, and his $10 million. You know, that's, yeah. that, that didn't happen. So – Again, I, the peace of mind was important, and I felt after that moment it was time to move on and, and do something else. Yeah. W would you make that same decision today, you think? Uh, probably. Um, that's a great question. You know, I've never been asked that question. Um, I guess I, I don't know. I think that today, you know, again, now you're looking at security for your family, for the financially, the contracts that are available today. Um, you know, you, you might look at it differently because you can be able to support your family for maybe a long time and maybe not just your family, your kids' family. So I, I think that the money aspect of, of the game today makes you, makes you think a little differently. Um, and, and maybe at 25 today, uh, I would have thought, yeah, this is maybe the last chance that I can go out and make some really good money and, and still play and, and play a sport that I love to play. 
but you know, at that time for me, money wasn't an objective, uh, peace of mind was, was what I was thinking about. But, you know, like I said, maybe, maybe today with, with the contracts that are available and uh, it might've been something I would have looked at differently, but I don't know. I, you know, I don't know that. Yeah. Yeah. No, totally, totally understand. Um, you know, I know, I know you're we're running short of time. Um, one of the last few questions I want to ask was, um, you know, the making of the Disney movie, you know, Miracle on Ice, we talked about it a little bit. Um, a lot of people say you and Pat actually look alike. Uh, <laughs> do you guys, do you, I, I told Patrick, uh, he, he might've been a better actor, but I know I was a, I was a better hockey player. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. I mean, it's just hilarious that we got the chance to speak to both of you guys. Um, yeah. You know, what, you know, would you say you guys have something in common? I mean, do you guys remember, you know, do you remember, you know, a conversation you had with him in, in particular? Well, I remember when, when uh, you know, I found out he was going to play me. He called me and, you know, found out he was from Danvers, Mass. And uh, we actually knew some similar people. And uh, I remember he came to, um, I was helping out with the high school hockey team at Winthrop, which I still, still do. And uh, he came to one of our practices. He wanted to skate with the kids and he wanted to get to know me a little. Right. So um, my two sons were on the high school team at the time and everybody wanted to know who this kid was out there skating with the team. So practice finally ended and we were all in a circle and uh, John O'Neill, a uh, kid from, uh, from Danvers actually, played at, played at Maine, was the high school hockey coach at the time. And uh, John brought the whole team together and I stood in front of the team. I said, guys, uh, this is Patrick Dempsey. Uh, and I said to my son, Paul, and my son, Michael, I said, Patrick, Paul, Michael, Michael, Paul, this is your father. Right. And <laughs> they yeah. thought it was pretty funny. And then they realized that Patrick was the guy who was going to play we play me during the movie. So, uh, you know, he was, he's a great kid. He did a nice job in the movie and figure somebody that's never acted before. And, yeah. and the movie was done well. It was fun to watch and uh, nice to see a local kid, uh, you know, play some, play, play me in the movie. Yeah, no, that was, I was just laughing when you said, you know, every, he says people come up to him like, they, you actually look like Mike. <laughs> it's funny. So um, was there anything in the movie that you thought was, you know, accurate or like way over exaggerated? Like how accurate was that Disney movie? I think it was pretty close. I mean, you know, the Hollywood, there was some Hollywood scenes, the, the skate again. We skated again. We did those drills, but not all 26 of us, only 15 of us that night. Um, I didn't see Mike Rizzioni, United States of America. It wouldn't, wouldn't have taken me an hour and a half to figure that out. Yeah. Uh, so that was a little Hollywoodish, but they've yeah. got the scene right as far as the guy skating, other than in the movie they have all 20, some of us skating, but that wasn't the case. But, you know, I tell people the movie's the Herb Brooks story, and we're a part of it. You know, I think the HBO documentary uh, was better than the movie, mm. um, but the movie was done well. Kurt Russell was amazing as Herb, although a little friendlier in the movie. Uh, Herb was a little more intense, and they kind of softened him up. Uh, Herb's wife is in the movie quite a bit, and I, I don't remember seeing her at all during the year. I don't remember, you know, his wife being around. But, again, this was – the movie was really through the eyes of Herb. Right. Um, with a little Hollywood here and there. But, you know, I thought they got, they got the gist of the story down. You know, we won. Uh, I think they captured how close our team was. I think the movie captured what the moment meant, not only to us, but to a country. So, uh, I mean, that, that was, that was the good thing of, of the movie that I enjoyed. Yeah. Did, did Herb ever talk to you about his reaction, uh, you know, during the filmmaking process? Of no, we, we, we never saw uh, Herb at all. And, uh, unfortunately when the movie came out, he had passed. So it would've, I would have been curious what he thought of the movie cause he never got to see it, but 
um, yeah, so you know, we weren't we weren't involved with the movie. I, I it had nothing to do with the movie. We we went and just uh, went to the premiere in Los Angeles and watched it. Yeah, you know, I, I totally get. It. I know we're running over time. Last question to wrap it up. Uh, you know, maybe talk about how your life has changed. You know, since that game, scoring the game-winning goal, and and all the. Well, it's, it's 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 just given me a lot of opportunities to do things I never would have been able to do. I mean, I do work at Boston University. I've been there twenty some odd years in the development office. Uh, I coached a couple of years with Jack Parker as a, as a voluntary assistant. So that was kind of fun from the hockey end. Uh, I still help out at Winthrop High School, which I've been doing. Uh, even when I was in college at BU, when I came home on break, I'd go down and skate with the high school kids. So it's kind of fun to be involved with the hockey program. I, I still travel around the country. I do a lot of motivational speaking. Um, so I, I know I've, I've, I've played in some of the greatest celebrity golf tournaments in the country. I've met some of the greatest people. I've been around some of the presidents of the United States. So I've traveled to every state but, but Alaska, and that's my only fault. My own fault because I've been invited there, haven't been able to get there yet. But I've been able to do a, an incredible amount of things. But you know, I'll, having said that, I still live in my hometown. Mm. Um, I have you know uh, three beautiful kids, five great grandkids right now. So it's kind of fun to mm. to, to do and do things with them. Yeah, uh, watching them skate and and play different sports has been kind of fun. Uh, as I told you, I wrote a book. That came out in uh, in January, and the book's you know, doing extremely well. Right, yeah. Uh, it's, I'll be wondering. It's called The Making of a Miracle. Mm. Uh, it's kind of my life story. So, uh, yeah, a lot of great things have happened because of 1980, but the greatest thing that's happened is I'm still who I am. Yeah, I no, absolutely. And congratulations on the book. I got to check it out, too. So, um, yeah. Oh, great. Keep I think you'll enjoy it. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I, hey, Love the movie. I love I love watching the highlight reels. I'm watching them over and over again. So thanks again. Well, I, I even have I even have some pictures for you for because you're a UNH guy. So there's some pictures you can read, read the book as well. Yeah. No. Absolutely. And I'm gonna have to talk to UNH man because they got to get you. Maybe you can play for them now. We'll take you out. <laughs> You'll play some hockey now, right? No, that, that that's okay. I, I'll I'll sit and watch. <laughs> hey. Thanks again, Mike. Appreciate All right, Kevin. Thanks, thanks for having me. Yeah, no, good luck with BU as well, and, and keep killing it. Hope you get you to it, too. All right. Take care. Have a good one. All right, bye. Bye. From the sweet life of Zach and Cody on the sweet life on Drake Bell here. It's your girl, Camille Kostek. Shuma Gavin in the house. You nice again. Lay Howard from the Los Angeles Lakers. This is a CeeLo Green. To follow at Wild Chat Sports. Wild Chat Sports. Wild Chat Sports. Wild Chat Sports. If Wild Chat Sports. Wild Chat Sports. Peace. Wild Chat Sports, man. Check it out. Love.